Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And it's recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top of mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a thousand of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they're talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris Studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. The big dominoes in college football are falling. In the NBA postseason, a preview as it is now nearly upon us. It is to tell anyone is 1029 ESPN Radio. Coulter has uh, just entered the studio and is uh, showing all the fine folks at home uh, watching on their televisions on SWX Montana, Audi, and on the YouTube channel, his fine uh, drink. What's the drink of choice today there, Coulter? This is funny because um, among 
this is sort of like Family Feud, right? You have to you have to guess what the most common answer is. Among yeah. the most common text messages I receive during this uh, radio slash television <laughs> program it's is from can. television viewers that say, <laughs> "What are you drinking?" What are you, well, we've I feel about- like we should get some affiliate advertising because I feel like I'm I'm sporting a lot of good drinks. No, we we, we do have a great sponsorship by Florence Coffee, and I do drink Florence Coffee probably more than any other thing. That's actually a fact. I, I have really adjusted. This is actually interesting for people. Uh, I know that. Um, Caffeine is such a common thing in, in American life, and and I understand why, for a variety of reasons. Coffee is delicious. It's healthy. It's an antioxidant. It's uh, diuretic. It's also a energy an, boost, an energy yes. booster. Uh, you know, it's by and large pretty organic, healthy. But I also think you can overdo it a little bit, and I've been at points in my life where I have overdone it quite a bit, quite often. Tommy can't physically overdo it on coffee, but the rest of us do know what you're talking right. about. Right, yeah. and so I have uh, stopped drinking caffeine... T- usually, I would drink caffeine in the morning, and then double down and hit it again during yeah. the show. Yeah. Now this is my first caffeine every day. Okay. And uh, I'm not one of those where I drink ca- caffeine in the afternoon. I stay up all night. Actually, in fact, if I drink double caffeine, I go to sleep earlier. Yeah. But doing the caffeine right now has been very beneficial to my overall uh, health and well-being. I feel much better. So Wait, if delaying it till if you, 4 if o'clock If you're feeling day. weird, yeah. cut out your afternoon caffeine or save it for the afternoon, and it might improve the way that you uh, you feel. Now, I'll tell you, and by the way, I know that people have been now in a cliffhanger for three minutes because they still don't know what it is you're drinking. Okay, okay. Hold, so, hold on, hold on. I'm not going to... You, you can tell them. Okay, go, I'm going to know. Okay, go ahead. I'll, there you go. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the thing... I was going to say, though, is we could not possibly have a sponsor because you don't have an item. Well, you have chosen every variety of drink there is to choose, and I'm aghast that there's still more that I haven't seen. So this, what What do we... This is, a double, this is a double down. This is a new version of an old one that I've drank before. Hold uh, on. I got this thing pretty honed in, though. I think that coffee beans that are turned into espresso yeah. are among the best. That's good, that's good. That's good. This this here is called Runa. It's a completely um, organic, clean energy drink. Ten grams of or, or ten calories. Period. Two grams of sugar from natural cane sugar. That's all. Uh, the ingredients it like a slightly carbonated tea. That is that's what, what it, that is. Gave that me. is what it is. Oh, so the okay, the tea well. it is. So a lot of people have heard of yerba mate. Mm. Yerba mate is a very good, very clean, very, very clean um, tea. This is guarasa leaf. So guarasa leaf is basically uh, if if uh, if you have drip coffee and then espresso as a step up, then you got yerba mate and guarasa as a stress oh, a step boy. up. So yerba mate is usually about 100 milligrams of caffeine, which is just a little bit over one cup of coffee. This is 150 milligrams of caffeine. So this is essentially two cups of coffee. But the, the benefits here are all the organic materials, the fact that it's a naturally occurring leaf that has no um, process. Al- it's not altered in any way. This is just tea with carbonated water. That's all it is. Yeah. That's why it's 10 calories. So it's delicious. It's refreshing. It's um, zesty and also not no crash. Thank you for sharing both audibly and physically with your beverage. So if anybody out that. there is repping the Runa... I, I can give up all my other drinks if you want to be a sponsor of Two Tone Honest. 
Okay, very good. Uh, let's take a look at what we have in the show today. Uh, we are going to get into the Big Ten uh, just a little bit and Pac-12 uh, canceling all fall sports for the uh, for the fall. And in the case of the Pac-12, that includes now basketball. Uh, not they basically have have called off already their non-conference basketball season uh, until uh, at least January one. So uh, obviously, again just it's just the death by a thousand paper cuts right thing that just keeps happening each day but these paper cuts are becoming gashes from a sports standpoint when you talk about now two of the power five out for the fall uh, when it comes to uh, football and all other sports as well so we'll get into that and hear some of the reasoning and hear about nebraska maybe trying not to and a tweet by our friend Jordan Hansen as well I thought that was uh, you know apropos at this uh, time you wanted to talk about Bobby Houck and Jeff Choate and their their the difference in their reactions to this, uh, which I think is uh, I'm looking forward to that. So we'll have that conversation. And, and, and to be bit. to be clear, this is not a one was right, one was wrong. No. I think they both reacted very differently, but I think that both of them had validity for the programs that they lead and the towns that they live in. And I think that's the discussion I want to have. Absolutely, and, and also differing circumstances. It wasn't even. Uh, apples to apples when you talk about the way in which these circumstances came about. So we'll go, we'll get into that a little bit. Coulter's got a blind side for me, so we'll get to that as well. And also, we we know for sure uh, 15 of the 16 playoff teams in the NBA, and in many cases, we already know what the matchups are going to be for the postseason. So I thought maybe today is we're just a couple days away from the end of the second-ish regular season, this eight-game deal, uh, we could uh, get into a little bit of NBA analysis and preparation for the postseason. Coulter's all the way in. I'm trying to get all the way in, so I need a little help uh, getting me down the road as well. And we're going to have a little bit of a conversation today, too, about Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. It's the new podcast that uh, Coulter and I uh, are excited to be working on, and uh, we, we are kind of hard at it right now we're getting uh both interviews lined up and we're going to start recording on this thing inside the next 24 hours uh and we're excited to bring uh you uh, a, a lengthy set of episodes in podcast form uh starting uh, a little later on this month through the end of the year uh these are going to run uh sort of commemorating and hearing stories from and about and of the 1995 national championship grizzly football team uh and and just such an unbelievable group that it was and in re-watching that game and well, well we'll get into it then but the play is spectacular is such a fun group to watch but also just every single guy on that team it seems like is just just a star man like every player you're like oh wow right jason Crebo, oh wow right you know of course dave dickinson and you just go on down the list matt wells and you got on and on and on and on so it's uh it's pretty cool, pretty fun. So we'll get into it. It's absolutely so cool, and it, it, it's the. I remember watching the 1995 national championship game at the Wilma, and I was eight years old, mm. and I had very little um, knowledge of Grizz football at the time. I mean, of course, I'm eight, but I, I had been to a game the previous year. I hadn't been during the '95 season. I'd been during the '94 season with my neighbor. We had just moved to town. It was my first Grizz game. But you're seven. You know, you spend the whole time playing on the hill. Right. What used to be the hill right. in Washington. Try to catch the football you know, and get kicked. And you knew Dave right. Dickinson and all that, but that yeah. was about it. But yeah. 
it's so interesting to see the way that history evolves and what we remember and what we forget. And I think that that group is remembered in a tremendous way, no no question. And I think that Dave Dickinson, I mean, he's told me personally, he said multiple times to me when people ask him, are you ever going to come back to Montana? You're going to be the coach of Montana. He said, absolutely not. I would never do that. Why would I ever do that? There's nowhere but down for me to go. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm here. No matter, I mean, one right. loss, unless you go right. 100-0, and 0, you're, you're, you're taking a step down. But the, the one thing that I find, um, I don't want to say disappointing, but I, I guess the the... the there's, there's. I would say the the threads we want to get across. We want to have fun with this. We want to give people their football fix. We want to get a variety of angles to tell the stories. But the two things that I want to get out of this, when it's all said and done, is one, the impact, the indelible and long lasting impact that 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 win that season had on the University of Montana and the city of Missoula, because it's much more than just football. And I think that I hope with the community members and the variety of media dignitaries and people like that that we interview, I think that will come across. But the other one is, Don Reed did it better than anybody. He's the greatest coach in the history of the University of Montana when it comes to football. I don't think that's debatable. He took a program that was downtrodden, and completely laid the most unbreakable foundation that maybe any college football program in the entire Western United States has ever been built upon. And then in his final game, he wins on a game-winning field goal and rides off into the sunset, and he has largely disappeared from the spotlight since then. And in a lot of times when that happens, it makes your legend grow, and I think that was the case for Coach Reed for the first five to ten years after this. But now it's been so long, he's been out of the spotlight for a long time. And the number one thing I hope we highlight is not only what he did for Missoula, the University of Montana, and Grizz football, but the the influencer that he was in the game of college football. Yeah. I mean, Northern Arizona was nothing until Jerome Sowers went there. Who did Jerome Sowers get his start with? Right. Don Reed. Yeah. Utah State was nothing until Mick Dennehy went there. Who did he get his start with? Don Reed. Brett Pease went from University of Montana to the Offensive coordinator at Florida and Boise State yeah, because of Don Reed. Dave Dickinson is one of the best coaches in the CFL. Don Reed. Everybody in, in the country is running the spread. June Jones, Mouse Davis. These guys all get credit for being the godfather of the spread. Where'd they learn it from? Don Reed. The fundamental principles of the passing game, the book Don Reed wrote, that's the book that people read to learn the spread. I just think that as much reverence as he has, he deserves all of it. Yeah. He is the he is the man, and I hope people understand that once we get done with this series. Well, uh, not that we didn't just talk about it a little bit, but we'll talk about it more in the second hour. So there you go. If you want to call, 361-3688 is the phone number. You can text that line as well. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. And if you would like to listen live on the stream, 1029ESPN.com, 1029ESPN.com. You listen live there all the time. Thanks to Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank your opportunity. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running from networks and security to communications and 24-7 support. Our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Blackfoot, connect to more. Okay, Coulter, here we go. We get we rip the Band-Aid off, we get through the bad stuff, and then we have a little bit of fun. But the Big Ten 
uh, officially is out for football. In fact, all sports this fall. And just a little while ago, breaking the Pac-12 will join them in that, suspending all sports through the end of 2021. It's, in fact... Uh, uh, even more significant in the Pac-12 because it includes basketball. You know, false basketball is not a fall sport. Technically, it's a winter sport, and so uh, they have said they are not playing sports whatsoever in the Pac-12, uh, including basketball until at least the first of the year, which basically means no non-conference uh, schedule. I have no idea what the schedules look like in the Big Sky Conference, and what, they haven't been released yeah, yet. That's and, the problem. And so, what that would mean for games that would have been on the schedule, we know, particularly the University of Montana. Uh, has has never not played multiple Power Five high major conference Ma- games. Montana had I, Montana had I believe five and maybe as many as six money games on their schedule. Um, I I will update you on what games were lost because I did have this uh, in a file. It's I can't find it on my computer, but we'll get to the games yeah. Montana loses. But it, that is it's incredibly impactful. Um, I, I think that honestly, from a local level. The University of Montana men's basketball team loses more than any other sports team in the Big Sky Conference by the Pac-12 constantly yes. non-conference basketball. Yes. Because we talk about Portland State playing multiple money games. Well, I mean, Travis Secure played three Pac-12s last year. Right. So, th- I mean, this is a huge, huge, huge gap on the schedule. And, and as we know, I think Coach Secure is maybe the best in the entire league at taking the money that he earns from money games and then in, injecting it into his program, Confusing, whether it's yeah. for recruiting or his assistants or, or whatever it might be. Um, so Larry Scott, he's the commissioner of the Pac-12, he said this today, quote, the health, safety, and well-being of our student-athletes and all those uh, con- connected to Pac-12 sports has been our number one priority since the start of this current crisis. Our student-athletes, fans, staff, and all those who love college sports would like to have seen the season played this calendar year as originally planned, and we n- know how disappointing this is. I thought this was interesting. This is a statement from the league's medical advisory group, okay, because a, a lot much has been made, and I think rightfully so, about, okay, these decisions are being made purportedly under the auspices and hopefully at least to some extent actually as a consideration and in care for the health and welfare and physical well-being of the, of, of the players, of the coaches, and everybody involved with it. We haven't heard a whole lot, though, of the medical advice information that has been given as you know directly as it pertains to this but in any case the pac-12 their league's medical advisory group i don't know who's in that group said this quote they had quote concerns that many of its current recommendations cannot be achieved consistently across all universities at this point in time currently the availability of of frequent fda approved accurate testing with rapid turnaround time vary at each pac-12 institutions locations in addition when in many locations within the conference community test positivity rates and numbers of cases per 100,000 in the surrounding community exceed levels which infest infectious disease and public officials deemed safe for group sports. So uh, essentially, look, first of all, we can't do this uniformly because it's not uniformly available. Secondly, there's a lot of places where it's not available up to the standards, particularly the testing and the quick turnaround that you need in order to execute sports. And thirdly, many of these in the Pac-12 are in major metropolitan areas, the Bay, Southern California, uh, Phoenix, Tucson, you know, those sorts of places. And so... 
it, you, you don't have just the requisite sort of safety in in percentages of cases in those you know urban areas, high high populous communities to make this viable. That's from the Pac-12. I'll get into a couple things from the Big Ten as well in a moment. There's so many different elements that go into these decisions, obviously, but. I'm not surprised that the Pac-12 is the first to cancel. I think that the the metropolitan concentrations that you mentioned is is among the biggest factors. But I also think this, and I don't want to come off as any sort of brash or arrogant by saying this, but but let's let's say it like it is. The Pac-12 has a whole different set of priorities than the SEC and the Big Ten when it comes to the their member institutions, and I think that. You could honestly argue that's why the Pac-12 is not in the same class as the SEC and the Big Ten, mm. particularly when it comes to football. But in this exact situation, I don't know if that's a bad thing. Right, right. I mean, I'll, I'll, I guess I guess you could say it as cut and dry as, as this. I'm not sure there's anything that matters more at Alabama, Auburn, and Florida than football. Yeah. There's a whole lot that matters a lot more than football at Cal, Stanford, and Washington. Totally. Um, the Big Ten... Uh, Commissioner Kevin Warren was speaking to the Big Ten Network and and had this to say, and I thought, look, everybody wants answers, and I thought that this this is this is not a non-answer, but there is an information, and he explains why, and this for some reason resonated with me what he had to say. Quote. All the decisions we would make during my tenure here will always put the mental and physical health and wellness of our student-athletes at the center. We just believe collectively there's too much uncertainty at this point in in time in our country to engage our student-athletes to participate in fall sports. Went on to say, it doesn't mean we're giving up forever. We continually have to gather information and look forward to the future, but there's so much uncertainty. This is a very, very trying time. This is one of those days you really hope in your career you never have to deal with these kinds of issues, but that's not the case in life. You have to deal with the issues presented in front of us. I don't think that it's crazy to say, hey, we have... First of all, I I actually think it might be crazy to say we have a definitive recognition that it is unsafe to play. Mm -hmm. Like... There, people who think that it's safe to play and people who think that it's unsafe to play, okay, that's fine. And those are, there's, there's, I think, some some pretty valid points to be made on both sides of that, okay? What I don't think there is is anything like definitiveness here. And so when the commissioner of the Big Ten comes out and says, there is so much uncertainty, we don't know what to do. And in the face of uncertainty, we have to pull the reins back. We can't encourage our student athletes to play when we just don't know what it is that we're getting ourselves into. And I think that might be the most sort of straightforward answer that I've heard because you can get whatever medical advice, opinion, et cetera, that you want to get, but there's no uniformity to it. And again, there's no 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 ultimate truth about what COVID-19 is, how it works, and all of that. Let me ask you this. Yeah. The, the day that we will forever remember as the day our world ended abruptly, and it's actually come around... Uh, to be less catastrophic than I originally thought it was when we were sitting in Boise and, <laughs> right. the, and everything and got canceled. There we were, just locked into the uh, We were just like, well, I, what are we going to do? We're, I guess we're just going to sit in this hotel room for the next two days mm-hmm. and uh, watch the world burn. Yeah. But 
The day that Mark Emmert, president of the NCAA, came out and canceled the NCAA tournament and then canceled spring sports, if the NCAA just would have said that day, all sports are suspended indefinitely until we have more clarity, how much pain and suffering would that have solved for everyone? Seeing it now, what has happened, what has in fact happened going back the five months, yeah, a lot. Doing it at that moment, I'm, not saying, I'm, I'm not saying canceling. I'm not saying canceling. I say all sports are suspended indefinitely until further notice. That's it. Right. And, and you do not make further notice until you have a plan to restart, and then you have this galvanizing restart rather than, Oh, we're gonna play. 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 We're not gonna play. Right. Yeah. Even though everybody knew we weren't gonna play, that's where the frustration comes from. I think that that's the one that we're gonna get into what Coach Alk and Coach Choate said last week. But I think that the one thing that they agreed on was this is horrendous for our kids. Yeah. You say, hey, we have a morning workout tomorrow, and then you say the next day, hey guys, sorry, you guys got to split up in a group of five and do it on your own. And then the next day, you say, you guys got to go here. You guys got to go there. You guys got to go home. You guys got to come in. Yeah. It's no good. The whole point of college sports and the whole point of, of college football is instilling time management and discipline into young men. That's the that's the, the thing that everybody gets out of it. When you eliminate that portion of it, the whole structure is pointless. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, goodwill goes a long way or having people who like you. Adam Silver right now in the NBA – we, we've talked about it. It's the best run professional sports league that, that, that we have in this country. And that doesn't mean that they're making every right decision. But what it does mean is people presume in their favor. And they think that they're making the decision in goodwill, well, like you're in, saying. In goodwill, but also, like, whether they ultimately are making the right or wrong decision. It's like the New England Patriots. No matter what Bill, Bill Belichick does, drafting a punter in the third round, everybody goes, well, look at the genius. Of course he knows what he's doing, whereas any other team does it, and they're morons. And what I was going to say is the NCAA has so much going against it in the court exactly. of public opinion that if they say, we are suspending all sports until further notice, it might be the right decision, and they would still bring hellfire down on themselves with that in the court of public opinion because everybody is looking for a reason to 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 rain down on them. I, but, right, but the indecisiveness has just absolutely destroyed small school athletic departments because they can't make decisions because they've been waiting on right. someone else to make a decision. But it's also as much loathing that the general American sports-watching public has for the NCAA, yeah. it has been accentuated times a million because of two reasons. As much as people thought the NCAA was corrupt for meddling in a variety of different avenues of the sporting world, for being a member institution, a member organization that still is levying some sort of punishment, people hated all of that. People know how much money they make off the NCAA tournament. Such a joyous event that no one cares. But what this has shown is, one, the way that they go about operating, which is filled with bureaucracy and completely devoid of any sort of actual decision-making. Right. Yeah. But the number one thing that this has done, I think that the, the vast majority of really engaged and educated sports fans are very aware of the realities of the financial elements of college sports. As Kent Haslam said, University of Montana Athletic Director on our show last week, he said, we would be naive if we weren't talking about the money because we, first and foremost, we have to have revenue to produce a product. 
But this has put into a glaring spotlight, particularly at the Power 5 level, which is what Jeff Choate has been r- ranting on for the last two weeks, just how much the almighty dollar matters. Mm. And I think the Band-Aid that was maybe halfway over the wart perpetuated the narrative that this is still amateur athletics has been fully ripped off, and now everybody realizes just how egregious the exploitation is. So to me, the the lack of decision-making early on the waffling, it, it's it's really, really impeded the brand that is college sports from the top to the bottom. It's Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. I want to go to the other side of this, inside of the Big Ten, and look at Nebraska. We talked about Scott Frost and his Zoom call, I believe it was, was it yesterday? Or maybe it was last week. But he said, you know, if the Big Ten decides that they don't want to play, we are going to explore any and all options to play football around here. Well, The Big Ten has canceled football for the fall. And this is a signed statement from Scott Frost, from Nebraska Chancellor Ronnie Green, from President Ted Carter, and from Athletic Director Bill Moose, former Montana Athletic Director. So that's all of them. You got got, got the, the coach, the AD, the president, and the chancellor all on the same page, and they said this, quote, we have... We have been and continue to be ready to play. Safety comes first. Based on the conversations with our medical experts, we continue to strongly believe the absolute safest place for our student athletes is within rigorous safety protocols, testing procedures, and the structure and support provided by Husker Athletics, end quote. Um, this, again, as I said before, I think that there's there's valid points here on both sides, and what we ultimately end in is is uncertainty. Is we don't know the answer, but this makes sense to me. What is more rigid? What is more structured? What is more appropriating of the time of a student than a Division One sport, and particularly football? And if you want to talk about the safety in relation to the virus. Maybe it's unsafe because you're around the same people every day. So then if one gets it, sort of maybe all get it or many get it. We've seen that already at Clemson and various other programs around. But also, if you just go, well, we're not having football, best of luck to you. And and the players go to wherever. You go back to Chicago. You go go. back to Phoenix. At least in this way, you can have them hang out with each other. It's it's what it is. And so, again, like I don't don't know what the right answer is. I'm not saying there's a right answer. I think this is pretty... uh, oniony brassy of Nebraska to go with everybody on board and say we're looking to play that's what we think is the right thing to do and yeah. so you know in that respect I I I give them credit you know but I I don't know you know I don't again I, I don't know what the right answer is here and I understand not just frustrate everybody's everybody's mad about this right nobody's happy that we're sitting here and we're facing the prospect of no football no college football in this fall but there is validity to, uh, from a health standpoint, at least to me, of why you would and why you would not want to. And then the question is, well, what side do you err on? I guess that's in the eye and the hands of the beholder. Nebraska is in such a unique situation as well. Being a Power 5 school, I mean, they're, they're the only Power 5 school that is as rural as they are, right? Yeah, right. I mean, there's there's always been the the uh, 
the bragging point for Missoula. Hey, and Missoula's a lot bigger now, but I remember there was once a day where people say, we live in a 50,000-person town and 25,000 people show up to a game on right. Saturday. How about that? Right, right. Lincoln, Nebraska's 80,000 people. 95,000 people show up to a Nebraska <laughs> game. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, right. it, what, besides Omaha, is there a city over 100,000 people in the entire state of Nebraska? And so it's a completely different situation. They're going through sort of what we're going through in a rural state where it, it seems as if People that are living in metropolitan areas are living in a different world. They're living in a horror film compared to what we're dealing with here. Totally. So I understand this, but I also think Nebraska just wants to get a piece of the pie because if they could get in with the SEC now, they can get some primetime games. They can make some money, and who knows? Maybe they make a run at the college football playoff. I don't think so. The road gets a lot harder when you start playing SEC schools, as hard as the Big Ten is. But either way, I'm not surprised by this. I will be surprised, though, if they can make it happen. It's 2 telling they want us. 1029 ESPN Radio. We'll take a break on the other side. We saw this news come out late last week for the Big Sky Conference that football would not be played this fall. Jeff Choate, the head coach of Montana State, Bobby Houck, the head coach of the University of Montana, had two different scenarios in which they were reacting, and therefore two different reactions. We'll analyze those and see what it says maybe next. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business. Blackfoot, connect to more. And show two different guys, two different reactions. But I am certain they are both big fans of Lizzo. It's two tell new one, it's one oh two nine ESPN radio. Right? Like what do you think what there is no what's chance the tie that there, binds? there is no chance that Bobby Hawk knows who Lizzo is. Doesn't mean he doesn't love her. There is a small chance that Choke might. Let me tell you something. Not Hauk. Let me tell you something. If there is anything I was going to put all my money on to say, what are what is the one common ground that those two have? Love of Lizzo, no doubt. Uh, you know what's really funny? What? Thinking of the majority of college football coaches listening to any music whatsoever. Um, well, you've lost me here. Some coaches, like Bruce Barnum, you could imagine him listening to a variety of music. Oh, oh uh, yeah, I, I don't think the Nick playlist Saban, ever stopped. Nick Saban has has it's well documented that Nick Saban likes to listen to his Louis Armstrong, Lawrence Welk jazz records while yeah. he drinks scotch and smokes a cigar in the backyard. Yeah, I, I mean it's the funniest quote I've ever heard when a reporter asked him, well, "Coach, when you relax, and do you ever just sit down and watch football?" He's like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" <laughs> He's like, I would never in my life watch football. I watch football ninety hours a week. I'm not watching football. Anyways, but then thinking about a guy like Coach Houkless in music is just so funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. I'd like to see. I'd like to see a wedding. I, you know what I, I mean? I could, I'd like I could to imagine, see a wedding. I could imagine him, you know, swimming the English Channel, hiking <laughs> to the top of Mount Everest. Like, you know, sprinting to and from his office before fall camp. Uh, <laughs> swimming, swimming the channel, huh? Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I don't know. Is, I mean, if we were to do a power rankings of stud athletes among the coaches, I mean, who's a bigger stud than Coach Barnum? 
Barney would love that you said that. It's Tutel and Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Uh, at Gus Tutel, at 102.9 ESPN, at Skyline Sports MT, your relevant Twitter handles. Uh, okay, Coulter, we wanted to talk about this. Uh, and again, I mean, just, just like you said, this is not about anybody doing something right or not as good or whatever like that. It's two different reactions to really depressing and sad news. And also for those of us that are fans of football, you know, it's, it's depressing. It's sad. Maybe it's maddening. Maybe it's an inconvenience of some sort, you know, is a little bit, but if you are a head coach, man, I mean, this is, you're losing you're going to lose you know people talk about pay cuts or whatever but i mean when when a a huge portion of your pay is in the form of um you know hitting certain barometers throughout the course of a season like your base pay as a as a head coach is i mean maybe half of what you're actually going to earn, maybe not even, mm-hmm. which you, but you get it through the course of the season by hitting different benchmarks for, well, for various stipulations and things that happen. Per, right? per, per an article in the Missouri last weekend by Frank Gogla, uh, there's there's base salary, there's guaranteed bonuses which do not have to be earned. So right. they're basically just subsidizations of your salary, and then there's true earned bonuses. So Bobby yeah. Houck earned one hundred and ten thousand dollars in earned bonuses a year ago. Right. He also has the two guaranteed bonuses though. He's got a hundred he's got a hundred at the I believe hundred and eighty eight to one hundred and ninety thousand dollar base salary. Yeah. But then he also has, I believe, a fifty five thousand dollar guarantee for media and another thirty thousand dollar guarantee for um Variety of Some appearances, promotions. Yeah. You know, like he's given a speech to the GSA or the booster clubs, or he's on the the East Side tour, all that. Stuff. But but all I'm saying, but is, regardless, you're talking about six figures of un, of earned bonuses that are just not there. Totally, I mean, and there's also a, a chance that these guys could get furloughed. Which through, if you're furloughed based on state salaries, that means you get a. A percentage of what your full salary yeah. is. It's not like other jobs. There's some jobs right now where you get furloughed if you're working for a startup or a corporation where you might actually end up making more money. That's not the case for state employees. And so, all I'm saying, I, I, I mean, I always find it so odd to talk contracts and salaries, even though I know it's public information on that, but with, with people, you know, that are members of the community, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but, like but it, it, it's but, it, it's important because they are paid by us. Definitely. And, that, and that's why no. journalism exists in the sports realm. In my opinion, that's why I think that our job is important. I think it's completely valid. It's just there's no degrees of separation is all I'm saying. There's not. So that's the thing. But I bring it up now to say that for as tough as this is for, you know, uh, fans and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, think about missing that 30, 40 percent of your annual pay just out the door, even as a possibility as a result of this. Totally. Talk about the, the 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 job, the ebbs and flows. I know Jeff Choate was was pretty reflective yep. yesterday about man, it's been forty two years since I was eight years old that this has been the rhythm of my life to do this thing. And certainly the same is true of of Bobby Houck as well. That this is this is what you do, and it's not what you do because now your fantasy football team is starting to play and you're watching games on Sundays. This is literally what it is that you're doing with your life as a profession, as a person. This is what you are engaged in and into and invested in. And the anticipation of it and then to not have it happen, you know, is is unprecedented. And I thought it was it was revealing. I thought it was it was interesting. Bobby Houck at the press conference on Friday was um I thought very straightforward. I thought he was uh, pretty honest. Said he was going to be honest and was, um, and and was unhappy, just as you would expect him to be. 
you know? And when asked whether, you know, this is the right decision, he says what he should say in that moment, which is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I think because we ain't playing, you know? And what are you going to do now? Well, we're going to take a week off. We're going to circle back up, and then we're going to go forward and figure out what we're going to do. We have a lot of different paths that we could go down, and I got no idea which of the paths it is that we are going. To, you know that we need to start walking forth on, and that's where we're at. Jeff Choate was first of all he did they did have a couple of practices he was clearly in a very good mood coming out of what was I guess going to be the last practice and just kind of a fun day on the football field with the players it also was even though it was a zoom press conference it wasn't the announcement press conference yeah we got Bobby how several days the the day that it happened or the morning after that it happened as opposed to you know a week of processing time which also helps as well and he was he was a lot more sort of reflective and going like, man, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I'm not happy about this. And yet, you know, we're going to sit here and kind of figure it out as we go and, and, you know, continue to talk about how happy he is with his program and where they're at. And I think Bobby Houck talked a lot about we're upset because, I mean, he came to as close as he's going to come to say, we're loaded. <laughs> like He's right. like, we were ready to go. We were ready to absolutely bust the doors down and I think that that is you know probably true uh and and now that's not happening at least for the time being and how how are you able to mentally and emotionally and physically frankly because we know that there's a method to getting ready to go for a football season able to reload and re-engage in the spring if the spring is in fact when this all happens I have a lot to say about this. Before we get into the analysis of what the two coaches said, the stances that they took, which I think both are adequate, both are valid, and both uh, fit the specific jobs that they have. One thing I don't think has been talked about enough is the actual athletes in this situation. The players. Everybody's screaming and yelling about student-athlete welfare, the risks the student-athletes might have to take. There's a completely polarized viewpoint on the way that this age demographic fits into the scope of this pandemic, that's all on the aside, though. Here's the thing. It it doesn't, even if in the dream scenario, every single kid gets another year of eligibility and we just roll in the fall of 2021 and everybody gets an equal chance again, even in that dream scenario, there's a moment in time that only exists once. And that's no longer here for these guys. Point blank, period. That's right. You, you could say Sammy Akim or Samari Torre has another year to get NFL ready. Who knows what could possibly happen in that year? The upward trajectory of an athlete is not guaranteed. You never know what could happen to you. And I'm not wishing anything bad on any of those guys. All I'm saying is that there's a moment in time that will only exist once, and that's the saddest part that's getting robbed from these kids, mm-hmm. especially at this level, because by and large it is for the joy of the game. You know, this is it for Jace Lewis. He might get on a, a roster in the NFL for as a special teams guy or something like that, but this is it, where he's going to be the dude. Yeah, that's That hurts. You don't get it back. The other thing I think is very unique that we have not mentioned whatsoever is that the two head coaches in the state of Montana, and I think that the only thing that would overwhelm the emotions and feelings you have for your players, for your program, for your university, and for yourself is the emotions you have for your kids. They both have sons playing yep. for them right now. Yep. 
I think personally, that's the. I mean, if you were to get Bobby Houck to tell you the odds, God's honest truth, why he's most frustrated, he would say, "I'm most frustrated for my players, and I'm most frustrated for the missed opportunity for my son, my own son." Because Robbie Houck has a chance to be an All-American this year, and that might not happen. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know he's going to keep working, and he'll likely still be at that level if and when they do resume playing, but it, there's no guarantee, and it, it is. It's a it's a hard pill to swallow. But as far as the, the takes that these two guys took, I, I thought that Choate is very inspiring because he did have perspective. He did put it into perspective in terms of um, a system that's broken that needed to be fixed. The sad part for me is the fact that it, this is going to hurt so many of the small schools that really have nothing to do with the big schools. It's not going to hurt the big schools as much as it should. Mm. I think that the crumbling and the reorganization, the restratification, the potential unionization of players, the uh, name, image, and likeness, the pay-to-play, all this stuff has been brewing forever. It was about to burst. Let's just say this. The rope's been soaked in gasoline for a really long time. It was just waiting for that one spark to light it. It just happened to be a global pandemic that lit it when you're talking about the Power Five. I think when the dust settles here, the changes that are going to happen in the Power Five and then the way that that's going to then fracture college football and the changes that will happen away from the Power Five, the divide that's going to happen between the Power Five, the Group of Five, and the FCS, is by and large going to be good for the game. It's the thing I've been railing about forever. It's the thing that drives me crazy about the FBS. If they would, if the Power Five would just say what they are, which is being put on full display right now, they're a free minor league system for the NFL. They're an exploitative entity that makes billions of dollars off of kids who don't get paid the changes that are going to occur in that element, and it's not even necessarily for the better or for the worse. It's just the reality of acknowledging what you are, yeah. finding a new structure to operate under. It's necessary. It has to happen. That's a good thing. On the By the wayside, when you go to the other side, though, first of all, the group of five, I think that has always been with these. I think the Mountain West is a valid group of five conference. I think most of the other group of five conferences are the have-nots that want to be the haves that never will be the haves. They're chasing the almighty dollar. They're never going to get there. They're stuck in this purgatory that makes them, by and large, irrelevant compared to either side of the coin. I do think the, the Mountain West schools have some validity because you have state schools like Wyoming with passionate fan bases, Utah State. You know, you have schools in rural areas where people still care. But but what? where does Miami of Ohio fit into the scope of football in Ohio? Like, wouldn't you rather be Youngstown State and actually chase a national championship or be Ohio State and chase a national championship? Being stuck in the middle just seems so ridiculous to me. So that restratification could actually be beneficial to the group of five as well. The thing where this is going to kill the small schools, though, is just the, the fact that when it restratifies, everything trickles downhill. You need the money from the Power Five to have the have-nots of the FCS be sustainable. That's not going to happen anymore, in my opinion. The combination of no money games from Power Fives and the Title IX issues that are going to arise when schools start to look at the validity and the realistic nature of supporting football, it's going to cause for a lot of schools to have to drop down our division. Now, that said, it could be a real reallocation and a reorganization uh, that could be good eventually. It's just going to hurt a lot of regional rivalries, especially in this neck of the woods that people have grown fond of. And we'll see how it all comes down the pipe. But I thought Choate. His, his pointing that out was valid. I also understand where Coach Houck's coming from. He, Coach Houck said this before the press conference started. 
he was talking to Peter Christensen, who's a talk radio guy here in town, as well as the, the PA announcer at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Yep. And Peter said, I, I heard it was going to cost the Missoula community this much money this fall. And Bobby said, uh, Peter, if you told me it was 10 times that much, I still wouldn't think it would be enough. And I think that's the part that really hurts. The Bozeman economy gets us uh, gets a stimulus shot from Bobcat football. There's no question. It doesn't rely on Bobcat mm. football. There are so many businesses, people that are very, very close to this show, that are uh, that are scrambling. What are we going to do? How do you replace millions of dollars that are coming to this community every Grizz home game? I don't know how you do it. I think that's the number one reason why Bobby Houck is so mad. He's a Montanan. He knows that this is the one of the biggest businesses in the state of Montana. Yeah. You've got to have Grizz football in Missoula. So I think he feels accountable to the way that this decision, while completely out of his control, is going to hurt his neighbors and his friends. It's two telling they want us, 1029 ESPN Radio. Um, you know, one way to avoid the economic downturn is to do what Coulter and I do, and that's just volunteer. <laughs> Truth. I hold Coulter's feet to the fire about his in- insinuation of something. It's a blind side from me to him next. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I actually think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. I'm about to paint Coulter into a corner and like a rabid dog, he's just going to come firing out of there and run me down. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Should I think of these before I say them? It's 2 Tell New One. It's 1029 ESPN Radio. Check us out on YouTube, boys and girls. We're on the YouTube 2 Tell New One's channel. Happy about that. Um, What do you, what is, what's, what's You just funny? always imply that I have a temper problem, and while that's part of my wiring, I've actually, uh, 
I've never freaked out that, on you. I, I, I did not know you have never. And I, I didn't You've only to, ever seen me freak out once in three years of of working with me. And you know who was freaking out with you? You. Me. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both flipped our lids at the same moment together. That's right. That's right. But not at each other. Not at each other. Uh the, no, I was I was only saying in, in you know in, in in the arena of argumentation and debate, not in the you know not in the temper temper uh, realm. I got it. Uh, I got okay, got to be a better animal than a dog. You're, you're right. I know. I should have thought of that. <laughs> like a rabid buffalo. Um, Bison. Buffaloes live in Africa. You are also right. Um, here's the blind side, okay, Coulter, for what it's worth for me to you. Okay, you talked about I just don't understand being in the middle and playing for nothing. Right, and you've talked to me about this a lot of times. Yep. The pointlessness of the of the of the of the group of five conferences, as far yep. as it goes. Okay, so two things. First of all, why is it that just playing for whatever? Maybe it's a conference championship that you're going after, and or a bowl game. And you can talk to me about how much. You don't care, and largely irrelevant many bowl games are, and I'm going to have a difficult time winning that argument. But if you're playing in it and what it is to the fan base and the you know the fun of a culminating game and a nice prize pack where you get a Nintendo or something like that, then then you know that's like a thing, and you're like, hey man, like I played in the Pinstripe Bowl in Yankee Stadium, what a thing, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's that's half of it, mm-hmm. and then the other half that I don't understand is. In virtue of being in the Power Five, does not mean that you're playing for anything. Sure, you know, like Vanderbilt ain't playing for a national championship. No, but what you're implying—the playing the the prestige of a conference and the prestige of a conference game—still exists for Vanderbilt, even if they lose all eight of them. Because they're playing against Georgia, they're playing against Florida, they're playing against Old Miss. They get to go to. They get to go to these epic stadiums. I I mean, Western Michigan gets to go play Michigan State in East Lansing. Sure, but that's not a conference game. What what I'm getting at here, though, is the prestige of chasing a conference title is valid if you have a conference that has prestige. And I don't mean being big time. I just mean history and tradition. If the Big Sky was only playing for a Big Sky title, it would still be prestigious because of, although the league has altered quite a bit, I would argue it would have been much more prestigious when it was the original Big Sky that included Nevada. I know Idaho's back now, but Idaho, Boise State, that would be a, a, a standalone conference that would be prestigious regardless. But even now, you have traditional rivals. It, it's, fu- it, it's fun for Montana to beat Idaho State, even if Montana has always beaten Idaho State, because Montana has always beaten Idaho State. The thing that's I think so disjointed in the group of five is the only group of five conference that has any long-standing traditional rivalries in it is the Mountain West Conference because the Mountain West Conference has schools that have been in other leagues, whether it was the Skyline years ago or the Rocky Mountain or the Old Whack or the Big Sky. There's traditional rivalries there where you know Nevada and Boise State have been playing each other for a long time. It doesn't matter what conference it's in. So when they play in the Mountain West, it's a conference rivalry game. That's almost completely absent from the conferences that have been created to chase football money. What relevance does Cincinnati versus East Carolina have? It might as well just be a non-conference game. But, I mean, you're... 
talking about individual games, like everybody's playing irrelevant and uninteresting football games at some point. Uh, okay, but tell, give me the give me the relevant game that exists in the American Football Conference. Who's in the American? Exactly, exactly. But there, there's plenty of Cincinnati, South Florida, East Carolina, Temple, Houston, Tulane, Memphis, Tulsa, Navy, Central Florida, and SMU. You picked a terrible conference because that's the next best conference out of the Power Five. Cincinnati, um, South Florida, Memphis was a top like fifteen. I get it, but there's not the prestige of the games. SMU, Houston. That's a that's a game. That's a game worth caring about because yeah. those those are teams that have. The whole point of college football is the pageantry, the rivalries, the talking smack to your grandpa or the grandpa who you had who went to Rice when you went to Tulsa. That's that's okay, what it's but all about. Now let's let, let me first of all, you've pivoted away from it means nothing if you're not playing for anything right. to it now it means something. What, what's your question? On her. What's the question? Why is it that you can that it only matters if you're playing for a national championship? Because what's the point? But you just said you just said to me right here that there is a point if you're playing if you're going zero and eight because you're playing Ole Miss. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question by asking you a question. Ask away. Let's say the Power Five completely splits away and they create their own level of Division One football. Yeah, the Group of Five. And then the prestigious FCS schools make an, a new group of five, basically. Okay. So you have like, like, the, a, a new conference that includes North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State, Wyoming, Utah State, Nevada. But then do this all across the country. Okay. You, you get you get Akron into a league. I mean, like the MAC. Take the MAC for example. I actually yeah. think the MAC, in terms of geography, old school rivalries, things like that. They're all directional they're all, schools. They're, they're, all all, they're, they're all directional yeah. schools that are second banana in their states. Mm-hmm. But that league is actually a, a, a fun league. It's a good league. I mean, Western Michigan versus Eastern Michigan versus Central Michigan. Those are those are cool. Yeah. People like that. It's yeah. all good. I get it. Wouldn't, would you agree that if there was a new division that then had a playoff and a national championship, that those teams would be playing for much more relevance than what they currently are? Go to the Meineke Car Care Bowl pales in comparison to like if Akron was hosting Kent State in the you know call it Division 1 AA semifinals of the playoffs. Yeah, I I see what you're getting at. I could be persuaded of what you're saying. Right now though, it's not clear to me. Like okay, okay another question. Okay. Georgia Southern was the yeah. most dominant Division 1 AA football program in America. Yeah. They were peerless. They won five national championships in 13 years. Mm-hmm. Now they're in the Sun Belt. Has that increased their relevance in any way? Not to you. You're in Montana. You're in an FCS area. You follow the Big Sky Conference. It certainly hasn't. But in Georgia, I'll bet it has. The best way I could say the point I'm trying to make yeah. is that Georgia Southern versus App State when they were in the FCS mattered more than when they're in the Sun Belt now. Um, I'm I don't I don't know if I buy that. Isn't sports about rings and banners and trophies? No, it's about playing. Really? Yeah. And then you know if you get some rings and banners and trophies, that's See, all good. I think this is just an ideological issue that is the difference in our the way our brains work more than our analysis of football. <laughs> Lots of things hinge on the way our brains work. But you are someone that lives your life is based on joy, not victory. Yeah, that is a fact. 
If you're just playing, it's what you have to do when you never win. You you have to find something else that matters. Exactly, though. Like, (laughs) for you, winning is the cherry on top, where as for me, there is no such thing as joy unless you win. No, I mean... I've never had fun losing one time in my life. When have you had fun, then? What do you mean? Never with me golfing. Oh, my God. We're back For everybody this. out there that's listening or that watched SWX tonight, <laughs> starting today, I'm going to keep track of every single competition that Ryan and I ever have. And every time he makes a stupid comment like that, I'll actually give you the real ducky. It won't be skewed. It will be completely real. In fact, I lost to Ryan both in real golf and betting golf this weekend. I, I will totally agree with that. But when let's he ever... Start, let's start the docket there and just go from there. Okay, great. But the notion that I never beat you in anything is just largely completely and utterly false. Well, you know, you have your brain and I have mine. We think about these things differently. Well, I'd it's trade two, you in a heartbeat, I'll tell you two, that. Two, it's two, nine, ESPN Radio. I, I just, I know we're late, but it, it, I just think that the, 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 the group of five, you said prestige tradition, some of it geographic rivalries and all of that that you get. Yeah. I'm totally with you on all that stuff, but also the only way that you can get it if you're the American... Yeah, is by being the American for longer. Like, okay, in in fifty okay. years, you know, you're gonna have rivalries that have depth in history and and fire to them. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll try to rearticulate. This. Okay, I've never been into the bull system. I will fully admit the reason I've never been into the bull system is that I grew up in Missoula, Montana. Yeah. I have been baptized on the playoff system. Yeah, and it's the better system. It there absolute, is no question. It absolutely is. Yes. And part of my rants against the bull system, I stand by. I do think that it's dumb to play a January or a December twenty first game in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so you can get a little gift pack. And finish your nice little seven and five season with your three weeks of extra practice. It's dumb. I just love gift packs so much. It's dumb. But I also get why fans love it and why they love to just go follow their team. And, you know, you get to go to New Orleans to watch the New Orleans Bowl. Right. The game is just a portion of the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get it. Right. I get it. If we were to have this reallotment of college football, the bowl system would absolutely not have to go by the wayside. You could still have the quote-unquote BCS bowls, the powerhouse bowls, the New Year's Day bowls, and the college football playoff for the Power Five. You could also still have all the other bowls. The thing that people forgot is the bowls used to be a part of both Division One and Division Two football. Mm. When the Big Sky, when when the Montana Grizzlies won their first two Big Sky Conference championships in 1969 and 1970, they went to the Camilla Bowl. Mm. They won the Camilla Bowl both times. I believe the Camilla Bowl still exists. Yeah. When Montana State won the 1956 national championship, they won the Aluminum Bowl. When they won the 1976 national championship, I can't remember what the bowl was called, but it was a bowl. Yeah. You could still have the bowl, but if the if you were Akron winning the Camilla Bowl. And also won the that level's national championship. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I want. Give me a banner. Let's chase some banners. Well, Let's not just chase a seven and five record. Where we can agree on this too is just give me more playoff and less of other things that totally. are playoffs. It's two tell nuanas. Hour one of the books. Hour two straight ahead. The NBA postseason is largely set. A quick peek at what's coming next. 
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.